we must have missed something about this movie because critics from the New York Times gave it a rave review. Mr. McCarthy appears to have never read a screenwriting manual in his life, and that's a compliment. Is that a line from one of the reviews? That's a line from the New York Times review of this movie. Because I, I would say the same thing, only as a negative. As a complete another negative. Welcome to Film Club. Now playing The Counselor. You like Huey Lewis on the news? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That's a bingo. Not the beast! No, not the button! I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play! Milk was a bad choice. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Gang first, you last. There is no try. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Stuff that dreams are made of. I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. Excellent. It's not a tumor. Idiot. Hello, Poppy. Ask me about my winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My man. The Counselor is the 2013 drama directed by Ridley Scott and is the first original screenplay by Cormac McCarthy. It stars Michael Fassbender, Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, Javier Bardem, Brad Pitt, a bunch of fucking good actors in this shitty, shitty, shitty fucking movie. But don't take my word for it. Take Drew's, Sean's, and Carl's word for it as well. So the movie's about two hours and... 15 minutes. This podcast is about 50 minutes. So if my math is correct, by listening to this podcast and not watching the movie, we are saving you an hour and 25 minutes of your life that you otherwise wouldn't have. Like, you're welcome. Enjoy. Well, Counselor, how are you making it? All right. Is this your lady? It is. That's me, man. Let the council go back a ways. We do, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. Hell, I'm okay with everything. You okay with everything, counselor? I remember when I saw the trailer, I wanted to see this movie so bad. Same. Yeah. It's slick. Like, it's I definitely agree. slick. And it's like, really, Scott knows how to film a scene. He just doesn't really give yeah. a shit about what's in that scene. Yeah, I feel like so he treated this movie like a PA and like he just showed up to set and he's like, all right, what are the pages? All right, let's film this scene today. Oh yeah, the whole thing just feels like so disjointed and like almost 100%. disingenuous. It feels like a very disingenuous movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves though. Sean, do you have a spiel? Yeah, Sean. Why don't you, uh, for the, for the listeners, why we, why we chose uh, the counselor this week. So we've had, a, we've had a too good for too long. Like we watched a lot of really good movies that we can appreciate in different ways. I wanted something that was like, it had all the ingredients to be good. And for some reason, it didn't work. My biggest fear with first watching this movie was that I would enjoy it more than everyone else in the group. And I feel like I didn't. I definitely did not enjoy, enjoy the movie. Did anybody um, enjoy it? Which is great. It's, it's not enjoyable. No, it is. Yeah, like it, it is sterile. It's just not good. 
the acting's fine. I guess that's a good thing I can say about it. But it's just a real slog for me to watch this. <laughs> it was two hours too long. <laughs> and also very much so, Gormick McCarthy very much does not like women in the slightest in this movie. No. It's like what? all the bad guys are, all the bad guys per se are women. And any of the women that are portrayed as good guys are like, like, so Penelope Cruz, like she's literally there because to be in danger. And to be, and to put the counselor in danger. And that's it. Life is being in bed with you. Everything else is just waiting. Her character, she has a perfect vagina. That's yeah. exactly it. Sure and, does. Um, oh, also, I, I just have to address Michael Fassbender's like all over the place accent. Oh, Again? He, he drops into his Irish <laughs> yeah. one in the first scene. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he goes for it. And then like, I think I, I don't remember. I think I read one of the, read like the the synopsis and i think it seemed to insinuate that he's supposed to be american he's vaguely southern he's vaguely southern <laughs> oh my god but yeah that's my that's my spiel the movie did not succeed for me so yeah i've i had seen this before and i wrote before i watched it again i wrote down what i remembered from first viewing i remember that penelope gets her head cut off that there's a story told about cameron diaz fucking a car what is it you'd like to forget all right I'd like to forget about Malkina fucking my car. That Brad Pitt gets strangled with a cool device. Motorcycle decapitation. I liked the scene with Hank from Franking, uh, from Franking Bad, from Breaking Bad. And I don't remember a thing Fassbender does the entire movie. <laughs> There's a couple things in this movie. There are some scenes that have good moments. There's actually a couple good lines in the film. But I Yeah, I agree the biggest culprit of why this movie isn't good is Cormac McCarthy. To him, I'm sure all these characters have lush backstories with all this detail and motivation and none of it is presented to us because he was unable to jump mediums from writing novels to writing screenplays. I don't know if any of you guys saw Widows, but Widows I felt suffered a lot like this film where- That was him as well? Widows was written by Gillian Flynn. It was her first uh, original screenplay mm -hmm. or adapted screenplay, not based on her own work. And it suffers a lot of the same yeah. thing where too many characters uh, going all about the original script was over three hours long and they had to trim it down. At the end of the day, you don't care about any of these characters. Anybody. Maybe a little bit. The only person I kind of cared about was for Javier Bardem because he is just hamming it up giving it his all I oh agree. God. best character yeah yeah, yeah. so he's very enjoyable he's he's also just, just like just the, the the physicality like javier bardem is one of those actors that he's a very physical actor i think because he always changes his appearance he always it's always like they always put him in like a crazy wardrobe no matter what movie it is and i think that like honestly that is the only redeeming quality is his spray tan. Well, you look at this and you look at, uh, of course, he was in No Country for Old Men. You just take, put those characters side by side. Uh, another famous one he did was in uh, Skyfall. Each one of those characters and, and has beautiful. such a distinct look. Mm -hmm. They all, just from their outfit, you can really tell a lot about their character. And Fazbender is just a fucking dude in a suit. Brad Pitt even. Brad Pitt's character is... He's wearing a cowboy hat. That's like his whole fucking yeah, at the very that's, least, that's At the very least, he has 
like they give him some type of flair, but they make Michael yeah. Fassbender's character just so plain. Counsel, Wes Ray, it's not dark enough in here for you? What happened? Confrontation with the doorman. Confrontation? Jesus. What did you say to him? I think I told him he was not to take a person, but he should go fuck himself. What did he say to that? He said, I'm going to hurt you, white person. So, yeah, I guess. I felt like Brad Pitt was both hamming it up and phoning it in at the same time. And it just. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I know. Falling also, back on um, his own. I don't know tricks. if you guys yeah. felt this, but um, it felt like two separate movies were being made. You know, on one hand, you at had least. Javier Bardem, Brad yeah. Pitt, Rosie Perez, and the, the, the diamond dealer. Um, Bruno Gans. Bruno Gans. All of their dialogue is like a paragraph. Every time they speak, it's a paragraph. Yeah. Every other character, it's one sentence, and then it just stops out of nowhere. And besides that, those um, four are all hamming it up, whereas everybody else is playing it boring and straight. On that, one of the, like, it's not even a strength. It's more or less like I respect the boldness to it, is that the entire movie is they're having philosophical conversations, but as, but they normalize them in normal conversations, right? And I feel like when you do that in a movie, it's like a titular scene, like the ending of No Country for Old Men, right? He's talking about a philosophy and it sort of wraps up the movie. But the entire movie up until that point, everything is very straightforward and very literal versus this is the complete opposite where the entire movie is just speaking in metaphors and it doesn't work because we've never had a moment where we were like, this is the movie we're watching. Well, it's Literally, also, those like, plots are basically the same. They're both drug deals gone wrong. Yeah, they're both drug deals gone wrong. But one but is like, amazing <laughs> and one yeah, sucks exactly. balls. Yeah. Well, and, there, and, there's two MacGuffins in this film, needlessly. His love and then the money, I guess. And Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's the, the diamonds and the drugs. Hmm. Brad Pitt has the briefcase of diamonds. That's one MacGuffin. I had no yeah. idea he had a briefcase of diamonds. Yeah, I also have no yeah, idea. Yeah, they never. What yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? That's, I mean, that's why he dies because he has all the all those fucking. Diamonds. Yeah, he's. So I read when I read the the wiki, I thought it was like a briefcase full of codes to his bank accounts that are. Yeah, all that's what I thought, I thought it was. I thought, yeah, I thought it was just cash, like his to go. But like at the same time, at the same time, yeah, like, okay. you couldn't. You could tell me that anything is in that briefcase, <laughs> and I'd be like, "Well, okay, I guess he deserves." It's Marcellus Wallace's soul. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny that we're all like all of us are very intelligent human beings, and we've all watched a shit ton of movies. Yet we all have like very different like things to say about the same thing. It all leads uh, to the same point. It just it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, it just doesn't work. And I you blame Cormac. Yeah, I blame Cormac, and I, like it's hard. I feel like movies that have multiple storylines they the reason like the movie Babel works is because all those characters are really interesting and I kind of care like the movie does that movie does a really good job of making you care whether people like succeed or not and that's exactly what Sean was saying before even though this movie started out with a five minute scene of cunnilingus which normally I'd be like Oh, okay. That's a pretty cool. Interesting I love the opening toy. shot of them with just the yeah. blankets moving. Just the blankets moving yeah. was lovely. Yeah. But that would have been enough. Then it just goes on for five to seven it just goes minutes. On for so open, long. And it's just, and it doesn't, 
it doesn't add anything to the characters at all. Like, I literally wrote it, that down. Um, so just going off of that, the next scene is the diamond scene. I write, yeah. I like the diamond scene. And then I have an asterisk. And then it keeps going, and I have no idea what the fuck this Jew is talking about. <laughs> he was, it's like he wrote a book, and like, I imagine like the book of the counselors, there's probably at least like 80 chapters in it that are completely missing from the movie that are incredibly necessary to tie everything together. The because way it needs in to a be. book, you can take three pages to describe a character. Anything. And in a yeah. movie, you do it in several lines of exposition, then you do it through their actions. Javier Bardem we get because I, I wonder how much of that was written in and how much he's just like, oh, I get this character and he truly like, I'm gonna wear this, I'm gonna have my hair like this. We get that. At the same time, he's introduced with uh, Cameron Diaz, who is it, just a fucking <laughs> brick of an actress in this. It's, she has all these cheetahs for no reason. And like, I, yeah. she has the cheetah tattoo. down on that. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. she's the bad guy. She wins in the end. It's like, okay, I, I feel nothing. There's like all of these stakes and they do a really good job. Like they have things that like work in movies. Like they have a smoking gun. They have the drug deal. Like in, a, in an episode of Breaking Bad, if they had like scenes like that with like the, the truck drivers, with the like the cartel guys, with the with the cocaine in the barrels and the septic truck, like that would be compelling. But they don't set it up like really. Like, I, writer. I wasn't sure they what don't. those drugs were at the beginning. I'm like, oh, is this just drug trafficking in general? Like, I didn't know that was for this deal until I'm like, oh, that was, oh, that's this. Yeah, I was kind of like waiting for it to be like, what is this about? And then like, I, I do want to bring a note that like, in terms of like positive, they kind of have a really good payoff for the whole movie with the final scene when like they chop Brad Pitt's head off. With the, ah, with the thing because something actually down. fucking happens. Chekhov's bolito. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's Javier Bardem <laughs> talks about the bolito thing, and you're like, oh well, that was a lot of description. I wonder if that's going to come into play later. It wouldn't have surprised me if this movie decided not to pay that off, but I'm glad that they did because at least something memorable, like actually memorable, happens in it. Do you know what a bolito is? It's a mechanical device, and it has this small electric motor with this rather incredible compound gear that retrieves a steel cable, battery-driven, and the cable is made out of some unholy alloy, almost impossible to cut it, and it's in a loop. And you come up behind the guy, and you drop it over his head, and you pull the free end of the cable tight and walk away, no one ever even sees you. And pulling the cable activates the motor, and the noose starts to tighten, and it continues to tighten until it goes to zero. There's nothing he can do. No. So the Bolito um, is actually bigger, like more of the whole theme of the film. If I was, if there was a theme of the film, in the sense that once the Bolito goes around your neck and they pull it, in their heads. you're doomed. Well, there's that. Oh yeah. That's actually a much more concise way. But <laughs> in the world of the film, uh, Michael Fassbender asks like, oh, is there anything you can do once that string is pulled? And Javier Bardem says, no, you're doomed. So, the film is kind of about the doomed fate and consequences of the counselor's actions. Once he does this, he is doomed and there's nothing he can do to prevent that. And that's many tragedies and many tragedies work. However, we don't give a fuck because- No, he doesn't even have a name. He doesn't have a name. He counsels, he counsels once. He counsels Rosie Perez once and then it's like, oh, Rosie, okay, Rosie Perez is- a drug dealer, I guess. a cartel leader who has a son who can ride a bike and eats dog food. Everything about this movie, like it doesn't flow. Like it all, it's a bunch of scenes put together, and then in the end, they try to make a movie out of it. 
Like it's a bunch of really great actors. They all feel, for for the most part, they all feel stilted. It's like they're talking to a brick wall. It's like they're not conversating between each other. So normally in a screenplay, you, your first 10 pages is where you set up the film and then on your 10th page, you have the catalyst. Longer films, it's longer, it's more of a percentage thing. So you do your 10 minutes and then you're like, okay, here's where we're kind of like, we're gonna hook the audience in and now we know what direction the film is going in. The diamond scene ends at 20 minutes. We still have no idea what the fuck's happening. We still have no idea what's happening. <laughs> we figure out about the him purchasing the drugs and all this stuff at the 37th minute. And by then, we've been lost. I got lost um, right at the point where they're doing the diamond, uh, talking about the diamond. You're lost in the sense that you don't know what's happening, and you're lost. You've lost the audience as well. That like you don't care anymore. You're just like, okay, are you going to give us more hooks to bring us back in? Are you going to have exciting scenes to make us forgive this long drawl? Because a lot of people, not a lot of people, there are movies that they spend a lot of time developing characters, and then we start to care about them, and then they go into like developing the world and then they go into the story. This one has zero development. And I think Sean, you'd point out too, where it's like the book of the counselor may have all the things. I think the biggest example of that is the scene at the racetrack with Toby um, Cabal's character or Keeble's character. We don't get his name. We might get his name. I just remember that scene. (laughs) He walks up to Michael Fassbender with uh, his girl and just starts talking about something from the counselor's past. And he just says all these things at him. And then it's done. And we're okay. If they had re-edited this, it also might have been able to work. And if they just built it up differently, because there's the scene with Cameron Diaz and Penelope Cruz. Which, like when they're when they're sunbathing. Yeah, which serves no purpose. There's a scene later Nothing. on with Cameron Diaz talking to the preacher, Reverend, and confessional, which has nothing to do with anything. Just nothing that, to do with anything. There's two. And it's not even like those scenes comment on something that's like really pertinent. Like they're just they're just there. No, and like, there's two scenes with Javier Bardem. Yeah. One where he's talking about. Uh, Cameron Diaz fucking his car. And then the other one when he's talking about, I, I forget what guy it is, but some guy doesn't really know English. And he t- they tell him to say these outrageous things to women. And the one girl like likes it and then bangs him in the parking right. lot. And it's like, all right, that's a fun enough story. But I'm an hour and 15 minutes into this movie. I don't need the irrelevant monologues. Yeah. No. I watched the, one of the links that Andrew sent. I ended up watching uh, Renegade Co. So they usually talk about like philosophy in the movies and all this kind of stuff. In the link, he like says that there's a lot in this that I should have liked because they're talking about philosophy. But he mentions that it's like a lecture, but not a fun lecture. It's like a lecture about things and about the subject matter, but it's not really saying anything. There's no common theme to connect any of it. It's like a bunch of different like stories and anecdotes that like try to, that tries to comment on the philosophy. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, do anything it's so it's so frustrating is it talking about greed is it talking about sex is it talking about it's like a little bit being doomed all of that i guess and they uh they don't hold on anything either every scene just kind of go it's there and then just blows away that that was like a pro and a con for me because it made this unenjoyable movie move for what what happened with um the last star wars film right it's this bloated mess but they're just moving and moving and moving and moving so you don't have time to think about like, wait, what? Yeah, What's going yeah. on? I'm so confused. Yeah. It just, by the end of it, you're going, and with, oh, I, 
I just don't know. But you got to give Star Wars credit. You know who the bad guys are in Star Wars, and you know who you're ro- supposed to be rooting for, whether or not you're rooting for them or not. It's like so, like on the note with like the with like Star Wars compared to say the counselor here. It's like uh, at least with Star Wars, like things are like things are happening, and you have like and then like like what Jackson says, like it's like pretty like it's pretty black and white about who the bad guys are, who the good guys are, what who you're rooting for, and like what's kind of happening. Uh, and it even has that little twist where like a bad guy is actually a good guy or vice versa. You know, you could you could even like compare it to like maybe something like a Departed, where like you have like the twists and the turns and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like and like there's a lot of philosophy in the Departed, and like paranoia and greed and all this kind of stuff. And you have like a lot of characters that you're dealing with, but it's just a better written movie i guess well you know what the department you know what the departed has conflict (laughs) he's an inherently in a conflicted situation he is a he's a conflicted character his uncle was a criminal his father was a do-gooder he was a police officer now undercover an undercover cop is great for um stories because there's inherent conflict in him will he be caught Mm. This is all just talking about what is the actual conf- like conflicting things, and then only retroactively do they explain everything that you've seen. And the retroactive explanations do not garner enough appreciation for what you had seen. Instead, you just roll your eyes and you're like, well, why the fuck didn't we just start here? What I thought about it, uh, well, I don't know what I thought about it. I still don't. I found myself only rooting for Javier Bardem. Yeah. His death actually mattered. Everybody else in the well, cast was just like, eh, I don't really care. You think in, in, if they had done another pass-through, they would have given you a reason to actually hate yeah. Cameron Diaz? Is that but, the message? Is it trusting women is bad? Like Javier Bardem trusts Cameron Diaz and it ends up being his downfall? That would be a really horrible premise for a movie. Rapid is seduced by uh, Natalie oh, Dormer, and that ends up being his downfall. Like Penelope Cruz is giving given nothing to do. She's given nothing. No, she's just a trophy. She feels like just a trophy in this movie. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like I'm glad she's in yeah. it because like she definitely elevates like whatever there is, you know. But this was just so I'm so glad you picked this yeah, though, Sean. I'm glad I saw it. I haven't wa- I haven't hated a movie in like a really long time like this and usually i'll hate a movie when the movie's over but this was like i was hate fucking it like while i was watching it i usually will give it the benefit of the doubt because it's like you say like or it's like what what you call it what uh, uh robert mckee says is like if you have a great third act i'll forgive whatever happened in the first and second but this was just i'm not forgiving anything javier bardem in the film says you can do anything to a woman except bore her and boy, oh boy, did I feel like the bored girlfriend throughout this entire fucking movie. <laughs> wow, that's a variety headline if I've ever heard one. Just listening to my fucking uh, boyfriend talk about finance and the stock market while I could give two shits. I wasn't I was- bored, per se, just because I shut my brain off because it was so such a mess. So it just kind of moved for me. I don't think I realized that this was Michael Fassbender's. So in the in the synopsis it, on Wikipedia, it says that he's a high-ranking cartel lawyer. I didn't get the impression that he knew that he worked for the cartel until this drug deal. 
I thought this was like his first big thing. Is like I'm gonna I've decided that I'm gonna do this illegal thing. That's the thing. He's a counselor, but we have no idea of like his profile as a lawyer. I guess he's good because he seems to have a lot of money, but he doesn't do it. There's no he doesn't do any counseling. Like there's the one scene where he talks to Rosie Perez, and in that he basically just listens to her. And like Michael Fassbender's listening, I think, I for probably 80% of his scenes. He's just Other listening. people are counseling him he, throughout the entire just film. talking to him. Yeah. And That's he's just it, sitting yeah. there going, all right, cool. He might be the counselor, but he is the one being counseled the entire movie. So there's something about Cormac McCarthy's stories that can be adapted to film because like we've seen the roads, the road is fucking great. We've seen no controlled men, no controlled men is fucking great. Yeah, and that's the thing, is the other two were John Hillcoat and the Cohen brothers, right? This is Ridley Scott. And what I wanted to say before is that I didn't even know Ridley Scott directed this movie until after I had watched it. Like, I, like for some reason, I just didn't even look at who directed it. I just watched it, which is very out of character And I for think me. they had the credits at the start of the movie, too. <laughs> yeah, I, like, didn't even register that it was a Ridley Scott movie. But, like, that's the thing about Ridley Scott. Like, he, he, he can't trust him anymore. I think he's. I think a lot of his movies, he's cashing a check. Yeah. Well, his, last, his last great was what? Gladiator. Uh, was Black Hawk, was Black Hawk Down after that? Black Hawk Down was good, but was it great? Oh yeah. I, I think it was great. I really yeah, loved it. I, I, seen it I hate war movies, and that movie's great. I enjoyed scenes of Alien Covenant, but only with like thought. like a fastbender figuring himself. Yeah, that was that was fun. I I barely remember the last two Alien films that he did. They're the same as this. They're just oh, miserable. Just they're bad. miserable. Yeah, they're just like I, I would oh. never. I would never watch them again. Nor would I recommend. But them. I, it's true. I never rehearse ever. I just. I know what I'm going to do. I block it. They come in. I was watching one of those directors' roundtables, and Vanity Fair does these things where they just get a bunch of actors, actresses, directors, and they just there's a guy moderator, and they just talk about movies, and they're fairly enjoyable. They're like 45 minutes on YouTube. And in it, either uh, Danny Boyle or someone asks Ridley Scott. Uh, I think Ridley is the master of yeah. that. I don't know how you <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah, you never, you never like, stop working. You never stop. I don't know. In fact, I've always seen Ridley as the man who's mastered being able to keep making films in the most fluent way, and it's incredibly hard. Ridley, one question. Do you, do you prepare yourself to do a film? So how you maintain physically fit to get that every year, every day? I think day? it's my mum. It's genius. You are churning out all these movies all the time. Like, how are you able to do it? Like, like wasn't like all the some of the other filmmakers like yeah how are you able to do it and really scott just shrugs and goes i i just show up to work <laughs> yeah it seems yeah you're right it's like a paycheck for him it's not like it's not like some other filmmakers that you know like literally die to make their movie like they put their blood sweat and tears into it like Scorsese's silence like I didn't love the movie but what I loved was how passionate he was about making that movie the, like, the Irishman like is great yeah and for he, that reason he's in his yeah. 70s and he's still bringing all this energy to the table if we look at Ridley Scott's most recent fucking movies <laughs> we, we have all the money in the world Alien Covenant Martian, Exodus Gods and Kings The Counselor Prometheus Robin Hood Body of Lies which wasn't that there. movie's okay American yeah, Gangster. Okay. American Gangster. Also pretty good. Okay. A Good Year. Kingdom of Heaven. Matchstick Men. Okay, so we're getting into good ones. Match, Matchstick Men is great. It appears once 2010 hit and Robin Hood kind of flopped, he's like, I'm going to 
do the alien movie that I always wanted to. Oh, Jim Cameron fucked up my vision, yada, yada, yada. Do you have any regrets? About what? Never professionally? Nothing. 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 Way you've behaved, choices you've made? No, no choice. No, I've always, I kind of like what I've done. There's a really cool part in this movie when, I read in the Wikipedia, his name is The Wire Man. Uh, he sets up this wire trap across the wire. interstate to chop off this motorcycle's guy's head. Kind of cool, whatever. It requires that not a single car drives by. <laughs> <laughs> then the other scene, which I had written down before, and I'll say it again, the scene with uh, Hank from Breaking Bad and John Leguizamo, fun scene, good Stop. scene. Yeah, they just show up and, it's just, and then they're gone. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a stage of the state, the drug, the drug parts, like them boxing up the drugs, the cutting off the guy's head, the shootout with the cartel members dressed as policemen, then John Leguizamo and Hank from Breaking Bad looking at all the barrels and the one has the body in it. And like, it's like, oh, they just play a joke on me. And like, I have to pass this barrel off and now we're transferring to another place. In a different film, those cameos would be fun, but nobody cares. No one cares. And those scenes are all really good. I feel like that's what we keep on coming back to. Nobody cares. about Those scenes are all really fun. But unfortunately, there's a whole other movie going on with Cameron Diaz masterminding all these little puppets of Michael Fassbender and Javier Bardem and Brad Pitt. Cutting down that opening scene in the bed. Not just cut it down. Born in an R-rated film. Just cut it out. Get it the fuck out of there. Start with him proposing in the restaurant. Yeah. Letting Javier Bardem live because he's the most interesting character in the film people would have enjoyed it more because he brought some entertainment to a, a film that you just could not understand yeah. what's his sin like what is what is javier what does javier Bardem do wrong besides trust cameron diaz he was just in love with her like that's all he was that was his sin his sin was being in love with a bad woman and then it goes and fucking michael fassbender talks on the phone with this cartel guy and the cartel guy just starts philosophizing about nothing. You have mm-hmm. created this world. Now the world will destroy you that you created. But if you had not created this world, maybe if you did a different world, then, then the world would have treated you differently. But instead, you decided to do these decisions which have brought you here. And now you must die. I'm sorry. We killed your girlfriend and made a little... <laughs> Actions create consequences which produce new worlds. And they're all different. And all these worlds, heretofore unknown to us, they must have always been there, must they not? You have to acknowledge the reality of the world that you're in. There is not some other world. I would argue that there is no protagonist. Like, you know, it's supposed to be... We're supposed um, to. Better, but it's supposed to be, yeah. feels like a wet blanket. He is such a passive fucking character. Oh my God, he's so fucking passive. It was killing me. Killing me. He sits down. Just do something. Listens to these... Like, I, some are interesting. Like the guy with the diamonds. That's a cool thing. Like a diamond is as good as its flaw. You can't see all the great things about it without the flaw. The flaw brings out all the greatness in it. And that's kind of interesting. The truth is that anything you can say about the diamond is in the nature of a flaw. A perfect diamond would be composed simply of light. And then the scene's just another yeah. six minutes of bullshit. It feels like, yeah, I mean, like, it feels like to me, like all the. All of the philosophizing, it's just saying the same thing in a different way. And it's like, it's almost like they all, all of the other characters in it, despite like how well 
acted there and like what and that's like all that's 100% all of the actors bringing it to it it's all the same voice mm. saying these things to Michael Fassbender but again, but again what, are they, like, what are they saying what are they saying <laughs> oh yeah they're not saying anything uh, <laughs> the, no, uh, the Charlie no, Brown like, the lesson I guess is like what they're saying wah 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 Wow. Uh, no Country for Old Men and this movie differ is Quality. from the get-go, you know who the villain is. You know it's Javier Bardem. And you're following his story throughout the entire film. You well, know yeah, the movie even starts Josh with Rowan, Javier Bardem. Jones. One of them dies basically off screen. The other one never gets to finish the investigation. He just, he kind of gives up. But you do feel for them. In this movie, uh, there's nobody chasing the villain because you just don't know who the villain is. You think it's the cartel, but it's mm. they become just a nothing burger. They're in, they're out, they're gone. All the action is done by these nameless if, characters. If, had, if, if they had weaved in Cameron Diaz from the very beginning, you see like her nail in, in a shot where they're doing a drug deal and you don't hear her saying anything. You just see the nail tapping on a board or a- anything. Anything would have made this movie better just to have a villain that you knew was the villain. Yeah, because Cameron Diaz's villain does not hold water compared to Antoine Chigurh. And there's no chase. It's all behind the scenes, string pulling. And that is not compelling one bit. It would be compelling if like the reveal was like, and this is how I accomplished this. But like, it wasn't like that. But like, Javier Bardem literally leave. says, oh, she knows everything. Yeah, like 35 minutes I think that's the like, movie, he says that. That's the other thing, too, where, like, the minute Cameron Diaz was introduced into the movie, I was like, she's the bad guy. Like, I know that, like, yeah. we're not supposed to know that, but I didn't think she was going to be the one to make it out alive, but not once did I think that she had, like, that she gave a shit about Javier Bardem's character. I don't know if that's how the movie's supposed to be. <laughs> like, I think we're supposed to believe that she cares about him. I think maybe, I don't know. Or the fact that like, we, we do get that Michael Fassbender loves Penelope Cruz. We do, we understand that. I mean, they tell us, but we do, we do get it. They have some yeah, he touching her vagina. He spoke he to her vagina. things about her vagina. Right. Yeah, he's doing tongue twisters like none other down under. And he's, he's great, whatever. Yeah. We don't get that sense of like, why is Javier Bardem still with Cameron Diaz? Like, how does she have her claws into him? What does she give him besides anxiety? She had sex with this car yeah but he's like i don't he's like i don't even really like it it's too gynecological which is a, it's a fine line i guess actually when they're doing that michael fassbender says you don't think this is an odd thing to tell me and javier Bardem goes i think it is and i'm thinking the same thing i'm like okay so <laughs> <laughs> michael fassbender is the audience surrogate yeah it's like if, he's, if he was married to cameron diaz if they were plotting anything together. I don't know why he's entrusted this woman with so much stuff to the point where she could bring him down so easily. I I guess he was supposed to be kidnapped and his murder was an accident, but she was integral to all of the drug dealing going awry and what have you. That's a good point that I didn't even think of. What did Cameron Diaz's character do besides like do something weird to his car that like made her have power over him? That's a scene from the book. Yeah. (laughs) She has these two cheetahs. She can stick on them at any right. point, but are they even hers? Are they his? I... Yeah, there's no payoff with the cheetahs either. I thought they'd at least like bite him or something like that. You know, have the cheetahs eat someone? What? Yeah, you can't bring a cheetah into a movie and then not have it. Do you have something. them chasing the rabbit. Then you have him either he's like a gangster of some sort, and you have him like release a guy. He's like, okay, um, I will let you free. I pardon you. 
and then he releases them go and then they stick the cheetahs on him like that's what you do when you set when you introduce cheetahs i think we need to face facts there's too much wrong with this film to fix it we, we'd have yeah. to scrap the whole thing and start over the ship has failed. Jackson's suggestion of like, just like putting the Cunnilingus scene out. Dare we say, put the Cunnilingus scene and then maybe we, we can like start at the proposal and then go from there. You do the Cunnilingus like, scene in that one line. I don't know. Life is in bed with you. Everything else is in between. Great line. Have that line with the sheets over the Great credits. Line. Have him talking to Bruno Gans with the credits going, him buying the diamond. Bruno Gans saying one word about the diamond. Done. Then we're in the restaurant, he proposes. Oh, I fucking love you. La, 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 la. Then it's him with Javier Bardem talking about the drug deal. 10 minutes in, drug deal, cool. Then show the drugs getting shipped and everything. Oh, mm. these things are connected. Not like, oh, we've already seen the drugs being shipped. And then 20 minutes later, we hear them talking about it. So we have to now remember that scene and then assume it's in regards to this and not just drug trafficking in general. Yeah. Then have uh, Brad Pitt advising him, like, oh, should we do this? Should we do that? Fucking take out Rosie Perez. Whatever. Take her out. Take out the dog food motorcycle scene. Take it out. And uh, you keep going. And then all of a sudden, we might have a movie. Yeah. But no. <laughs> Would it have been, like, a better movie if you, like, if Cormac McCarthy wrote plot outline of this whole movie or a book, maybe, and someone else adapted it? And then maybe Ridley Scott directed it and it would have been something. And it might have had something to say besides like besides like a warning about the evils of women. It's like, I don't know if it's like one of those things. This movie definitely wanted to be about like a lot more other things. But for some reason, that message, I think, just ends up falling right front and center. And it's like women are either, either evil or naive. Dorothy broke Cormac's heart in seventh grade like, and he's never gotten over it. We would have to ask Cormac himself. Come on the show. <laughs> Defend, defend your, okay. defend the counselor. Yeah, Even come then. on to another film club, Corbin. <laughs> We've accomplished our goal. The goal was to find a film that has all these pieces that should work, but do not. The producer thought, No Country for Old Men. One best picture. P uh, the Road. While mixed reviews as a film, great book. Cormac McCarthy, hugely popular American author. Let's give him the uh, platform to create an original screenplay. That should obviously work. Ridley Scott, huge track record. That should obviously work. And I think since they're so high profile and they could not have worked in unison, or if they did, I don't, I don't know if Ridley Scott has ever had like any writing credits. So even if they were working together, he might not have been able to basically do the screen doctoring or script doctoring that was necessary. It's, it's probably was really hard for someone to tell Cormac McCarthy, this doesn't mm -hmm. work. You need to do this. Yeah. How do you tell Cormac yeah. McCarthy, yes, this doesn't work? They would have um, needed a high profile like, producer to do that. And I think really Scott produced it himself and he's going through the motions. I can't say that like he's like, even with this movie, like I can't say he's like a bad director. Definitely not. Just, there's just like whatever edge that he had, he lost that spark for making things because he's reliable. He still gets all of this work. Yeah. The studios aren't going to tell him that he can't do something. He doesn't have a vision to compromise yeah, at this point, I feel. Yeah. I mean, I look at Robin Hood and Gods Kingdom and... of Heaven, and both of those are just very brown and very boring. Oh, King to Heaven is a mess. An interesting yeah. case study for Ridley Scott is just to look at all the different renditions of Blade Runner out there and how much of a mess one of his movies can be when not put together in the right way 
And this one is certainly not put together in the right way at all. Like the puzzle pieces are upside down. There's a couple missing. And that is a shame because it's at least a pretty looking film. Looks great. Yeah, exactly. Like the movie is like technically sound, just not well written or well structured. Are you there, Consulate? Do we want to like do final thoughts kind of situation or are we all just kind of like giving our final thoughts? We're doing final thoughts. We have a fucking format. We stick to it, unlike someone. So uh, my final thought of this film is that I think we all agree it's a mess. There's two different types of characters written. You have the long-winded type, which is, you know, Javier Bardem and Brad Pitt. And then you have these short sentence characters like Fassbender. They do not mesh at all for me. And, And the worst part for me, I think, watching this film was every time those short sentence characters came on, it took me out of the film. They, they, they would say their one sentence and then it would stop. There's too long of a breath in between when those short sentences are being spoken. Whereas you have Brad Pitt, even though he's like rambling on sometimes with some of his stuff, it flows. And that, that at least felt more real sometimes than the single sentence garbage that some of them were speaking. I still can't tell you completely what this movie was about. <laughs> having read all I read, having watched it once and skimmed it another no one, time. No one can. I'm, I'm still just at a loss. I don't hate the film, but I guarantee you I will never watch it again. And that's all I have to say. Carl. <laughs> all right. I'll go. No, I'm, I'm go- I'm, I got okay. I thought your closing remarks were just going to be a, a heavy sigh. I wanted to love this movie because I love everyone that's in it. I ended up hating every, almost every single second of it, but I'm glad that there's now I have a new movie nemesis out there. I haven't had a ne- movie nemesis in a really long time. I, it's just, it, 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 it just makes you, makes you think that it's like, it doesn't matter how bad something is on paper. Sometimes like you can just get it made. I had trouble holding a conversation about this movie because I hated it so much. And that blinding hate was just getting in the way of me making anything academic come out of my mouth other than, yeah, and that fucking sucked too. So I guess my closing remarks are is that the next time that I watch something that I truly, truly hate, I'm going to really try not to get let my personal feelings get in the way of being able to dismantle it properly. So uh, that's my closing remark. I'm glad you took something away from that, girl. Thanks. Sean or Jackson? I'll go since it was Sean's pick. He can ride us off into the sunset. Uh, this might have been a good book. Who knows? As the drug cartel kingpin says, the choosing was done long ago. So once we chose this movie, we sealed our fate and we were doomed to endure two and a half hours. I love steak. I love fried chicken. I love pesto. I love prosciutto. I don't want them all together in a shitty stew that ends up tasting like nothing. So That would be the worst. It's a like movie that. that has no common bond, vision, purpose, idea, sense of timing, story, character, everything that makes a movie good. It's shiny. It has this veneer of cool. Everything looks great, but... Once you scratch at that a little bit, all you're left with is just shit. All right. 
my closing remarks, I'm going to leave you with a line from the review by Danny Lay of the BBC. He praised the film, saying that the real star is the script. What this film really is, is a Cormac McCarthy audiobook with visuals by Ridley Scott. It's black as night, engrossing and masterful. He also acclaimed the performances, particularly Diaz's, and said, with regard to the negative reviews, Movie history is littered with films that we all sneered at and we all laughed at and we all thought were terrible and the critics hated them and no one went to see them. Then, 40 years later, they fetch up on programs like this with everyone saying, what a masterpiece. And those are my closing remarks. Well, you got one thing right. The only time I'd watch this movie again is in 40 fucking years. <laughs> I don't think it's good. We're all going to be real embarrassed in 40 years when we... Yeah, I'm going to set a Google calendar. We're gonna, or... we're gonna, mark, my, mark my words. In 40 years, we're gonna, someone's going to find this and we're all going to get cancelled because yeah. we yeah. undermined and made fun of the masterpiece that was the council. And I will I'll write a letter to 127-year-old Cormac McCarthy apologizing. You were right, Cormac. Women are the worst. Here's to you. <laughs> Gynecological. Hey, <laughs> glad it's over. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Moving on. Fuck this movie. Like, yeah, seriously. I'm glad we like, like, fuck it right in its like perfect better... vagina. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, yeah. I'm done with the the criti criticism of it. This movie fucking sucks. It was really boring. <laughs> it's, just, um, it's, just, <laughs> yeah, it's boring. I want you to finger. This is so fucking boring, and it it's shouldn't not. have been. It should. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have been boring, and that made me mad.